NPR. This is WMNF Tampa. Here comes the sun, I say it's all right. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show here on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today, we are talking with Virginia Overstreet about gardening for dragonflies. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the wonderful Annie Ellis. Yes. Hello, Annie. (laughs) Hi, Kenny. (laughs) So, uh, Annie, I was in New York last week. I know, you're a traveler. And then uh, this past weekend, I was at Mount Dora. Yes. For a plant sale. It was a real big one, wasn't it? And it was a, it's huge, yes, and if people are listening in Sarasota, Tampa, I encourage you to go next year because it's one of the biggest. It and really is. It's and it's a, like been going on for a very long time too, hasn't it? Yeah, it's well established. Mm-hmm. And as you know, on Friday it was a Veterans Day, right? So we like to support veterans Absolutely. and promote them. Thank you for your service. And Yes, and I saw a couple of people uh, walking around with some shirts that said uh, veteran-owned brewery and sustainably and organically grown hops by veterans. Oh, very nice. So, Annie, I want to tell you that I want to invite uh, the owner in uh, September because they have a big Oktoberfest, of course. Very good. So, so th- we'll have to find a place for them, right? Don't we booked? <laughs> we book up months in advance, y'all. Just yeah. to, if you didn't know. <laughs> so in 10 months from now, we're going to have them on. Oh, 10 and, months. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, what, so he, we, we talked for you know, several minutes after I, because there was a little group of them. So then I found the owner and I was yeah. talking to him. And then at the very end, he apologized. He said, oh, you probably noticed that I have a stutter. I went to oh. Afghanistan and I came back with a stutter, oh, but at least God. I came back alive, yeah. which made me want to cry pretty much. Absolutely. But uh, obviously, yes, we do not care about the stutter. And we're so happy that he came back and that he is creating a business and he's able to employ other veterans. Well, and also the object that he is uh, growing these products organically, which I'm sure is a very difficult thing to uh, accrue uh, for all those breweries. I doubt very seriously there's a whole lot of them that are out there growing that organically. So that's wonderful. And that's what caught my eye on the t-shirt. It had a big old, you know, rainbow that said sustainably and organically grown hops by veterans. Wow. Now, Speaking of veterans, our yeah. guest, Virginia Overstreet, was in the Navy for 20 years, and My she goodness. retired as a commander. So we're going to be talking about dragonflies, so stay tuned as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. And I just want to say, Kenny is a trooper because he is not well, and he is calling in on Zoom today because he is you know, dedicated to this show. So I just wanted to recognize you for that, Kenny. You're a wonder. I appreciate you. So Thank you. you're welcome. 
<laughs> so now we're going to praise Virginia. <laughs> Virginia Overstreet. And she was going to be here too, and she's not here. So it's Bill and I in this room. So it's all good. Uh, Virginia Overstreet is the president of the Suncoast Chapter of Florida Native Plant Society. She's been a Florida Master Gardener volunteer since 2001. Wow, that's a long time. And a Florida Master Naturalist since 2009. And I always think that means she's naked, but I don't think that's what it is I have to ask her. <laughs> she enjoys teaching homeowners about the importance of preserving Florida's natural areas, conserving water, supporting wildlife, and using native plants in their landscapes. She enjoys hiking and preserves and, and parks throughout the estate, but her favorite views of natural Florida are those she sees from her kayak. And I see her on Facebook all the time with the most beautiful photographs from her kayak and it's just wonderful. Thank you so much, Virginia, for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you. Um, So, yeah, your Facebook page is so always loaded with so many beautiful photographs of of where you are uh, when you're in your kayak. It's just wonderful. Yeah, I I like to take photos out there. Um, You know, sometimes if I'm on a river and the current is a little swift, I can't put my paddle down and pick my phone up, oh, but, right. uh, you know, you know, most of the time I can, it's, it's, um, you know, I just wish people would get out there more and enjoy the area. We are just blessed with a, a beautiful area that we live in here in the Tampa Bay area. We really are. And, you know, when I don't kayak, I have never kayaked anyway, I, I guess I could, but, um, I, uh, when I see that, it makes me, you know, really want to. So, you know, there's hope for me yet. So, sure. uh, and yeah. so I wanted to ask, what is a naturalist? Before we go on to the dragonflies, what is a naturalist? Okay. Well, the Florida Master Naturalist course is also taught by the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. And um, you um, you learn, um, it's not it's not focused on gardening. It's fo- focused on the, um, you know, um, three major ecosystems in Florida, mm-hmm. wetlands, uplands, and um, coastal areas. Oh, okay. Very good. And, and you learn about the plants and the animals and the um, different types of um, soil and, um, you know, whether it's always dry or always wet or, you know, periodically, um, you know, wet. Um, but it's really interesting. It gives you a better appreciation of, of what you see out there and, you um, you know how weather affects it, how yeah. uh, development affects it all. So it's a it's a very interesting program. Yeah, it sounds like it, people can get the big picture instead of just the tiny little window that they see on their immediate self, so they can know how to protect it for the future. Right. That's mm-hmm. a great how long, thing. How long does it take to earn that certificate? Well, it it, it depends on you. There are um, when I took it, there were I think. Um, Six major uh, classes and then some um, different supplemental classes. And um, they, they last either three to five days. And you really need to arrange your schedule so that you um, do not miss any of the classes because they're all pretty intense. So, you know, it, it can take somebody, you know, up to two to three years of periodically going to these different classes oh, and wow. you can offer, you can take them in your own County or you can commute, um, you know, to a, an adjacent County, which is what I did. I took um, most of mine in Pinellas, but I took a couple in um, Polk and a couple in um, Manatee. 
Wow. And um, and then a couple of extra, I think, here in Hillsboro. So it's, um, you know, you get to see different types of areas and, um, you know, um, but there are a lot, a lot of fun. You have to um, do some presentations, which can be intimidating, but it's it's a lot of fun. It really is. So it's uh, you get a lot of different uh, perspectives from going to all those different counties, I would think. You do. Um, you know, for example, um, you know, when you want to take the coastal systems, it's, you know, best to take it in, um, you know, Pinellas or, or Sarasota County so you can actually see, you know, um, literally, you know, see the, the areas yeah. in the coastal systems. And, um, but, you know, uplands, um, you can pretty much take that one anywhere. So it's yeah. um, really interesting. Kenny, is there anything more you want to talk about that part? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. <laughs> we can't see each other. So I'm just like trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure this out because <laughs> usually we see each other's face. But um, I, I guess I guess we will segue into, did you start enjoying dragonflies yeah. through this naturalist program or did you always like them? Um, I've always liked them. I mean, you know, I mean, I, you know, you know, between whether I was a gardener or not, just I just thought they were cool looking, the you know, magic. t-shirts, mugs. Yeah, they are magical. Mm. They have, a, um, you know, a lot of different cultures throughout the years have, you know, they look at them as um, maybe, you know, um, you know, a, a, um, a family member who's passed on is visiting you when you see a, a dragonfly or things like that. But I actually what? learned more about them through the Master Naturalist program. And now I appreciate them every time I see them. In fact, I was kayaking on the my beloved Hillsborough River yesterday and I saw dragonflies and damselflies out there. And um, it just makes me feel good when I see them out in their natural habitat. Well, let, let's back that up just a second. You said something about that some cultures believe that dragonflies uh, represent a, a person that's passed on. Is that what they I do. understood? Yeah, that. Um, um, some cultures um, believe that um, they're symbols of hope and good luck, um, you know, just all kinds of things. If you, you know, if you were to look that up, they're, you know, just, um, you know, throughout the, you know, years, um, you know, um, different cultures feel different things about them. That's um, beautiful. Yes. Uh-huh. So my partner's grandmother, hit, she uh, lost her daughter to breast cancer many years ago, oh. and her favorite animal was a dragonfly, and she has hundreds of dragonflies oh. in her uh, house. And then every time she sees a dragonfly, she remembers her daughter. And oh, I don't know so if it's sweet. spiritual, but she kind of created that connection herself. Yeah, created that energy around herself. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, and you were just talking about uh, dragonflies and damselflies. So uh, we have a, one of our questions is, what's the difference between a dragonfly and a damselfly? Well, a, um, a dragonfly is larger. And um, and speaking of that, that's one thing I wanted to, um, to um, start out with is that um, dragonflies have been around for around 300 million years. Oh my gosh, they're yeah. prehistoric. And, yes, and the size is the only significant change. T- today, dragonflies, um, they, they have a wingspan that um, varies between two to five inches, but the wingspan used to be two feet. Wow. And so, um, dragonflies are not anything to worry about. They won't bite you or they won't sting you. However, if we still had them, uh, you know, with wingspans of two feet across, uh, this might be a completely 
different. <laughs> but um, no, the difference is damselflies, um, they're smaller. Their bodies are um, slimmer. And dragonflies have much larger eyes. If you look at them, the eyes are so large, it looks like they're, they've joined and it's one huge eye, mm. even though it is two separate eyes. And then when um, dragonflies are perched, they keep their wings either spread um, completely out or slightly bent forward. But a damselfly's wings will be folded when they're perched. Above them? Yes. Like mm -hmm. a butterfly. Kind of like a butterfly. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, and that's interesting. And that's the difference between a moth and a butterfly, right? That's right. That's right, Kenny. Mm -hmm. Oh, because moths don't do that? Mm -hmm. Moths have their wings down when they're perched. Wow. Mm -hmm. I've seen it like that, but I never thought about it. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's interesting. Now, I saw a monarch butterfly yesterday that was on a leaf and stayed there for a really long time, and their their uh, wings were outwards. Were they doing something? You think they were laying eggs at that moment? Is that why their, their wings were outwards? Because it looks so odd to me. Well, it, it could have been one that had just emerged, um, oh. and it was um, catching... Um, um, you know, sunlight to warm right. up. That could okay. have been. You, you yeah. never know. It was interesting. I took a picture of it. I've not seen that before. So, uh, Kenny, you have a question you'd like to ask? Sure. But first, we'll remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Virginia Overstreet, and we're talking about gardening for dragonflies. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813 239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. So Virginia, why would listeners want to encourage dragonflies to live in their backyard? Well, they are um, successful carnivores and um, to put that in perspective, African lionesses only get their prey 25% of the time. The great white shark gets its prey 50% of the time, but dragonflies hit their prey 95%. Wow. They're very successful. Um, Japanese samurai used to refer to them as flying warriors because wow. they are so successful. But from a homeowner point of view, Dragonflies love to eat mosquitoes. They can eat between 30 to 100 mosquitoes a day. And um, they also eat midges. They, they'll eat butterflies and moths. So sometimes they'll eat things we don't really want them to eat, but you know, they are carnivores. Mm -hmm. And they'll eat bees, smaller dragonflies, and then the, uh, the naiads, which are their larvae, will eat mosquito larvae because uh, the naiads live in the water before they um, um, hatch into adults. And they'll eat, also eat small fish and tadpoles. So they, um, they really are an important part of the, um, the natural ecosystem and when you're, um, when you're attracting them to your garden. But they can only kill while they're flying. Oh so my goodness. Yeah, so if their wings are damaged, um, they won't be able to catch prey and they'll, um, they'll, they'll die. Hmm. So I was going to ask, do the larva stage of the dragonflies 
are they also carnivorous? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like I say, they will. Um, they'll eat mosquito larvae. They um, they're very carnivorous. They will um, you know, catch small fish, tadpoles. Wow. Um, they're they're you know they're cannibalistic. They'll eat each other, and um, the, that that stage lasts uh, longer. It can last up to two years. What so they stay yeah. as a larva for two years? Uh, up to two years, different species. Wow. So, so most of a dragonfly's lifespan is not the adult that's flying around. It's wow. actually the the naiad that, that lives underwater. That mm. is so interesting. Well, mm. and I was going to ask you about that when you were talking about the eggs. Do they lay the eggs in the water, like it floats in the water, like frog eggs, or uh, or is it in the soil, you know, around the banks, or how does that work? Um, no, they, they definitely, it's, it's called ovipositing, okay. and uh, the female will land, She well, she can either land on, a, on floating vegetation and deposit her eggs there, or she can uh, lay them directly in the water. Okay. And many times they don't lay them all at the same place. They'll, you know, move around because that um, increases the, uh, the number that will, um, will actually survive. Now, if she's laying the eggs, how does it get, um, uh, well, I want to say pollinated, but that's not the right word. Fertilized. Yeah, fertilized, I guess. No, they... Um, Dragonflies have um, a, a very interesting mating ritual. If you ever see uh, two dragonflies that are um, connected, and they yeah. call it the mating wheel, because um, they can actually stay stationary and mate, or they can actually both take off and fly while they're still mating. Wild. Yeah, I've actually seen that. Um, again, I, you know, I can't talk enough about um, how fun it is to see them out there when you're kayaking. But um, I've seen two damselflies mating on the deck of my kayak and then both, you know, fly off together. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of romance out there on the river. <laughs> and, um, but when the female is laying her eggs, the male is nearby patrolling the area because when she is depositing those eggs, she's completely vulnerable. Right. And, um, you know, a bird or, a, a, you know, a... Um, a toad could jump up out of the water and get her or something. So um, the, um, the males can be very territorial when the females are laying the, the eggs. So that just makes me think of, so what are their enemies, right? Um, well, they, um, they do have a lot of enemies. They are, um, you know, they're predators, but they're also prey. So um, birds, spiders, frogs, um, again, larger dragonflies. Um, I have actually seen, um, again, when I was on the river, I passed by it, um, uh, it and it was at eye level, but I, I, the, the uh, current was too swift. I couldn't take a photo of it. But a dragonfly had gotten trapped in a spider web. Uh, and the spider was quickly working to, you know, uh, take care of that um, dragonfly. And the, the, the dragonfly wasn't even able to um, to beat her wings. So she was... She was definitely trapped. And I've, I've seen photos of birds that um, had caught dragonflies. But, you know, that's what you want because birds yeah. catch, um, you know, they have to catch, you know, lots of insects and, and dragonflies and different things to take back to the nest to feed their young. Absolutely. So, so um, yes, we love to see dragonflies in our gardens, but it's also important to remember that they are a good 
source of protein for birds. And we also like to see birds in our landscape. Yes. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that, how can gardeners encourage and attract dragonflies to their backyard? Well, stop using pesticides. Yes. If, um, you know, the thing about dragonflies, if you see them, um, they're very sensitive to pollution. So if you, you know, if you're using a lot of chemicals, you're not going to get them. And if you do happen to get them and, and you know, let's say, a, you know, um, a bee or something has landed on a, um, a plant that, uh, that you've used a herbicide on, you know, the bee's going to die and then the, the dragonfly is probably going to die too. So again, stop using any types of um, herbicides or chemical fertilizers. Uh, and Go ahead. But, well, I was also going to say, the, the more native plants you've got, the more dragonflies you will see because mm -hmm. native plants bring in pollinators. And, um, you know, again, you know, I, you know, a lot of people might be upset with me. I'm up here talking about, you know, um, you know, native bees and butterflies, you know, getting killed by, by dragonflies. But, you know, there's a food chain out right. there. And, um, so, yeah, but the more native plants you've got, uh, you know, native plants, support wildlife and um you know i don't have a pond in my in my garden but i am one half mile from the hillsborough river mm -hmm. and yet i see dragonflies in my garden because you know the word's out you know this lady doesn't <laughs> eat, she doesn't use poison and she's got lots of native plants and therefore lots of food for us so yeah. this is where we need to be going now i don't see them every day Right. And every time I'm in the garden, but I certainly see a lot of them out there. So one of the things that you said was about native uh, plants feed uh, the different insects and birds and so on. But mm -hmm. if, even to elaborate on that is that native plants are needed to supply the native birds, the native insects. Mm -hmm. That's what they want is they're tuned to the native uh, vegetation. So that's absolutely right, Annie. Um, you know, whether it's, um, you know, oak trees or, um, you know, beautyberry, marlberry, and, you know, some different, um, you know, plants that are putting out berries now this time of year, mm -hmm. which are wonderful for not only our, um, our resident birds, but our birds that are migrating through this area. Mm -hmm. You know, the more you know, native plants you plant, the more wildlife you're going to see coming through your garden. That's beautiful. One other thing that I wanted to clarify, because I don't know the answer, and I figure you probably do, is that you said that if a bee lands on um, a uh, leaf that's been treated with uh, insecticide, then you said, and the dragonfly will die too. Does that mean that if the dragonfly eats that uh, poison bee, he will die, or he will just die because of the poisoning on the leaf. Just no, that, that's what I what I was saying was, you know, it's like if um, you know, within the food chain, if anything, you know, low on the food chain comes into contact with poison, then any predator that eats that insect, okay, it, it will, will be, you know, um, um indirectly ingesting so it's poison. like like the raptors with the rat poison for the rats kind of a thing absolutely okay well that's great because i didn't know that that's a really interesting thing to know mm -hmm. kenny so i believe we have a caller oh very good yeah we do mary brooker thank Perfect. you for telling me she's right next to me and i'm not even looking <laughs> i'm so used to you doing this kenny hi mary hi mary mary you here 
Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you for being on. What would you like to talk about on Dragonflies? I'm listening on my phone. (laughs) Very good. You're dedicated. I have a question at this point. I just wanted to participate. Okay. Oh, so, uh, well, then you can continue to listen without... uh, You can. Do you know how to um, uh, stream on your phone? Do you know how to do that? I did, but I didn't have a link on Facebook. Okay. Well, I'm just going to, um, we're going to mute you, and you can just listen. How about that? That's perfect. That's what I, I do. I'm going to see if we can do that. I'm looking at Bill, and he's going to handle it for us. <laughs> if we can, he's shaking his head no. I can mute it. No. Perfect. I, okay. Well, well, we'll see what we can do. I muted it from my end, okay? Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So, Virginia, um, you know, we're talking about how dragonflies are fierce predators, why we want to encourage them to the backyard. And how does their flying pattern and their hunting uh, pattern differ from other insects and birds? Well, they, they can fly in all directions and they can even hover like, uh, like helicopters. Yeah. In fact, um, engineers have studied their flight patterns and um, to, you know, create robots. I mean, that's how... Um, interesting these these little creatures are. They can fly between 19 and 38 miles per hour. What? Now, wow. Not, not sustained, right. but burst. They burst. If, if they see, um, you know, a prey, um, you know, they can get it. But their, um, their wings only flap 30 times per minute as compared to mosquitoes, which flap their wings 600 times per minute. And house flies, which flap theirs one thousand wow. times. Wow! So their their wings are very efficient, and um, they're covered in a parchment membrane. It's so a, beautiful, the iridescence. Uh, they really are, and um, they can't fly when their wings are wet, so they have to they have to dry out. So uh, I want to interrupt because we have two more phone calls. Uh, so let's okay. go ahead and take Clay. Um, Clay, can you hear me? Clay, are you on the air? Clay, can you hear me? Clay? Okay, I'm going to move on. Tom, can you hear me? Uh, I got the lucky line. Oh, good. Hey, (laughs) Tom, welcome to the show. What do you want to talk about dragonflies about? Well, uh, first of all, um, it kind of cut out when I was uh, being answered. Okay. Uh, d- 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 she didn't say they, their wings beat 30 times a minute. She she said 30 times a second, right? I don't know. What about it, Virginia? I meant to say minute. 30? So only once every two seconds the wing beat? Correct. Wow. I'm, I would be staring for that. Um <laughs> <laughs> My, my my question is, uh, I remember ooh, 30 years ago or so that uh, you could buy dragonfly eggs from, like, Michigan or somewhere. Um, you got, like, 10,000 of them for just a few bucks. And I'm wondering what you think about that, if it's a good idea, bad idea, if you know of any resources for, for doing it, and, uh, and give me the internet, and I might have a follow-up if I could stay online. Well, we have two more calls, but you can we can do a quickie after Virginia answers. 
Yeah, I don't know anything about that industry. And, um, you know, I can only imagine that the, the insects, I mean, the eggs that you would be buying from Michigan would be of um, dragonflies that are native to that area. Yeah. I can't imagine how successful they would be uh, down here in Florida. I mean, we have, um, there are dragonflies that, um, we have some species of dragonflies that are, um, that you can find all over the state. And then there are some you can find only in the southern part of the state mm -hmm. and others even that you can find only in the panhandle. So I can't imagine that, um, you know, eggs from a dragonfly from Michigan would, would survive down here. I, I well, personally, I'm, I'm so glad I'm following up uh, because I just heard. Uh, Is this your next ago, quick question? Real, real quick. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, I just heard a month or so ago uh, that uh, dragonflies migrate. Yes. Uh, are you just are you just spelling that myth? No. Um. Some dragonflies migrate. Not all species. But I don't have a lot of information on that. I'm just really, okay. you know, talking about the ones that we see here. But yes, yeah, some do. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll look at which ones do and where they migrate from, and I'll buy from that area. Thank you very much. Exactly. And if they migrate. The ones from Michigan might not necessarily come to Florida. They might just go to, to you know, Hawaii. Tennessee or, <laughs> or the Carolinas. I did yeah. uh, just look up. You could, for many states, you can buy dragonfly nymphs. You can get 12 of them. And uh, the USDA, this is from uh, Carolina, which is a research organization. But the USDA prohibits the sale of to Arizona, California, and Florida. Oh, wow. So these That's are dragonflies. This Whatever dragonfly nymph species they're selling is not suitable for Florida. That's interesting. Great of course, catch. that wouldn't well, be posted. Okay, thanks for calling. We have uh, a couple more. Uh, let's see. All right, we have Clay. He called back. So let's uh, go ahead. Clay, are, are you there? Can you hear me this Yes, time? I can hear you now. All right, fantastic. Right. I'll tell you about dragonflies. Yeah. I, I walk in a field with my wolf, um, you know, all the time, and usually around dusk or just before the sun goes down. Yeah. Never a lot of mosquitoes surround us. Then the dragonflies come out and hunt them. We've had as many as 25 or 30 dragonflies at a time come and just take the mosquitoes away. Wow. Yeah. And um, I live on the end of it. Uh, I live on a dead end road. It's a, a private road running off a county road. And we, uh, 30 years ago, uh, had a battle with Pasco County Mosquito Control, making them not come down our road with that fogging machine. Good for you. Because we didn't, because of the effect it has on the, uh, and they can't do aerial spraying over us either. Good for because, you. Uh, we want our dragonflies, uh, you know, and uh, our bats and everybody else that yeah. uh, ends up dying otherwise. I got this one really cool story about a dragonfly. I'm sitting on a, on State Road 54. I'm watching this dragonfly fly above a uh, little truck with it, one of those black antennas that comes out of the back, mm -hmm. right out of the roof. And he keeps lighting on it, keeps lighting on it, and then he see things and move around. And just before the light turned green, he got on that antenna, and he stayed there and held on to it. <laughs> and down the road until finally uh, the truck was going too fast, and he, whoosh, and he just took straight off in the air. Oh, that's it funny. Took a joyride. <laughs> you hung out for dear life. <laughs> yeah, joyride. You know, good thing he didn't smash, but you know, it was it was just the most amazing thing. He did it intentionally. That's he kept funny. For the time and 
I just thought, thought I'd share that story. That's so interesting to me. You know, animals are all types. We just don't know what's going on in their head, you know? Well, we don't. We, we, we don't we, know. We don't think anybody thinks like we do. Yeah, we don't know. So yeah. it's it's beautiful. All right. Well, I'm, Thank I'm, you, Clay. Thanks for calling back. Yes, have a great show. You too. Thanks so much. Bye. Oh, you have a great day. You too. Thanks. Okay, Kenny. All right, we have a couple of uh, emails. One is from Joe Allen. Okay. We all know Joe Allen. Oh, from Joe Allen here on the radio? Oh, very good. Hey, Joe Allen. And she writes, is neem oil harming dragonflies Mm. or anything uh, that she would be using in the early evening on her wild coffee plants that would affect dragonflies? Well, um, if, you're, if you've got the wild coffee, which is a native, I don't understand why you would want to put neem oil on it. She probably um, has aphids and is not um, understanding that they don't need to be removed, I would think. Right. Um, you know, um, or lizards, lizards will you know, eat aphids. I see aphids occasionally in my garden, but then you'll walk right by the plant three days later. and Exactly. You know, there's not that many. Right. But, um you know, I I wouldn't um, I would be very careful about um, how you use neem oil, but I really don't see any any need to um, to put it on a native plant. Um, you know, aphids and mealybugs will cause cosmetic damage, perhaps to a um, the um, ornamental coffee, but I, I've never heard of an instance of um, of them um, killing the plant. So. I would just, I would personally would save you money and hold off on the neem oil. You know, one thing I have noticed in my garden is that if I get a persistent uh, mealybug problem, I just cut the plant back. I take all the mealybugs off with a knife. <laughs> you know, I cut That's it right. off and then I start over. I clean the area around it, see, make sure there's none in the soil mm-hmm. right below, and start over. And usually, it it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we got a couple of other uh, text messages and emails. Somebody is asking or saying that dragonflies also eat ants. I watched one decapitate an ant and the head rolled away and the dragonfly just ate the rest of the body. <laughs> okay, that's good. Jesus, I that's love good. that. <laughs> and that person, that person says, great show. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And then uh, we have a message from Gib. They said, love your show. Dragonflies have one of the highest success rates of any ambush predator. Very mm-hmm. cool creature. I use organic fertilizer for everything, not just what I eat for leaf rolling and things like that. I've been using neem oil and he or they also ask, is this okay? So, I mean, we just mentioned that, but yeah. it's yeah. in my coffee plants, I have leaf rollers out there every now and then. I'll see a leaf that's rolled up and, you know, it looks like a little cigar. And, um, but I don't do anything to it. I, frankly, I don't care. So, I mean, yeah. again, they're not destroying the plant. So, yeah. Um, and then, honestly, if you do, if it bothers you that much, you can just squish it. I mean, that's what I have a canna lilies that they love that and they can just tear them all up. And I will, you know, I don't kill everything, but I will selectively uh, take care of uh, ones if it's massive. But no spray, just manually. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I want to remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF, Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Virginia Overstreet, and we're talking about gardening for dragonflies. Mm -hmm. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663, or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on air, because we do appreciate those stories about little ant heads rolling off their bodies. <laughs> I have another call too. So maybe we'll hear another story like that. <laughs> Who knows? Doug is calling from Clearwater. <laughs> hey, Doug, you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. And I, I apologize. I just got in the car and heard the show and I had a question to ask. But, uh, you know, if you want to talk about lopping the heads off of ants with dragonflies, I'll, I'll hush up. No, you go ahead. <laughs> what you got? Well, I had read a quick article this weekend, and I was kind of hoping I could get some reference material. Okay. Uh, it was basically, um, and I forget the term that they used, but uh, three different plants planted together, and one of them was uh, basil, and I think it was basil, basil and tomatoes, and the basil will keep the bugs off the other plant. A lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, I was very impressed with that. I was like, I need to look that up. And like I said, as soon as I got in the car, heard you guys, I said, whoa, let me see. Let me ask them. Well, you know, I've also noticed that uh, basil um, keeps the squirrels away, which is the bane of my existence. So uh, I've been planting a lot of basil in a lot of places to keep, they don't, they don't mess with my basil. And so, and they don't like it. So I've been doing that with onions too. Onions, uh, a lot of things don't like that. So what, uh, so what Doug's talking about is companion planting. Virginia, do you, do you have anything to add about companion planting? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's, um, you know, I know a lot of research has been done about that. And, you know, um, but I've, I've never heard that about basil um, deterring uh, squirrels. I That's just noticed it in my own yard, you know. Well, on, on your squirrels, go to a barber shop and get some hair and put it out on your garden and see if that'll do the same thing as hair will do with deer, deers. I have hair. I mean, when I clean my brush, maybe I can do that too. <laughs> I don't go to barbershops though. <laughs> yeah, just get a, if you get like a bag full of hair and sprinkle it on. Okay. I know with deer, it will keep the deer away. That's good to know. But, okay. Yeah, squirrels in there, right on. All right, well, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. it. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. Bye -bye. Hey, I have a question, uh, Virginia, that I wanted to ask because I, I wrote it down here. Uh, you know, I used to have a lot of dragonflies uh, in my yard. I mean, a lot. That's probably like 20-something years ago. And, you know, I don't put anything that's bad in my yard at all. And so I don't have uh, dragonflies that I hardly ever see anymore. Is there something I can do to encourage that? Because I, I can't have a pond, but I could do low water spots. You know, I could do dish water places. Well, if you're going to have a dragonfly, a, a pond dedicated to dragonflies, it actually needs to be um, a little bit deeper than a, a dish pan oh, uh, okay. you, you put out for uh, water because it, um, it needs to be, you know, maybe a foot or so deep okay. so that those, the naiads have got a place to hide from uh, predators. If, if it's so shallow, birds can see them and they'll swoop down and just literally peck them out of the so water. So it needs to have green things in there with it. 
Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes, you need, um, you need um, underwater plants for the um, for the uh, naiads to hide from. So submerged. Okay. You need floating vegetation for the females to lay their eggs on, and then you need emergent vegetation for the naiads to actually come out of the water and molt because they molt several times, and then um, and then plants for the um, for the adults to perch on while they're not flying. That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have another call. This is a popular subject. Uh, okay, we have CJ from Sulphur Springs. What you got to talk about dragonflies, CJ? Well, I don't know. You know, I didn't have exactly them in mind. You know, garlic is a good deterrent. Oh, we're talking about uh, companion planting now. Well, yeah, we're just talking about keeping certain stuff away from other stuff. Garlic is okay. But I'm, I've got a lot of animals. I've got a baby possum. I've got a 100-pound turtle. I've got chickens that won't go away. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, assortment, different wildlife. Like the, That's uh, wonderful. Yeah. Ian separated the possum from mama. Uh huh. Didn't have nowhere to go, so I kind of. Do you have any questions about dragonflies today? Because that would be our subject. Oh, no. I was going to see how you could tell how old the turtle was, but uh, I don't know if anybody knew. Uh, Kenny might know. You can spank my hands and I'll say, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. We're happy you called. (laughs) Does uh, does anybody know, Virginia or Kenny, do you guys know how to tell how old this turtle is? I can't remember. No, I really don't. There's a thing about counting the little shell spaces. Uh, yeah. yeah, not sure. He's, he's got a lot of them. He's about a foot and a half. Wide. Can you Google it? Because I know I just did. Because I have a friend that has a turtle, and you can, it tells you how to count the shell spaces to be able to tell the age of it. That's a good idea. But yep. Stay away from all that. Well, stuff. it'll work for you because uh, that's it's just a scientific answer. So go for that and uh, and tell us what you find later on, okay? They keep rejecting my password. They made me mad. Oh, so, I'm sorry. I thought I'd ask you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. So, Virginia, we're going to talk about dragonflies. Yes. And <laughs> let's say Back to uh, <laughs> Annie is having a trouble finding them in her backyard. Yes. Where in uh, central Florida... Can you see a lot of dragonflies? Well, if you go out to our um, county parks and preserves, you will definitely see them, especially closer to bodies of water. Um, you know, for example, if, you know, near a river. Um, um, next weekend, the, um, our, the Native Plant Society will have our monthly field trip out at the Hillsborough River State Park. Yeah. And there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to see a lot of them out there. But you also see them in open spaces when they're hunting for prey. Like the gentleman that called in that said that around dusk, he sees a lot of them because they're, they're, um, they're out there hunting for um, mosquitoes. But Annie, with your situation, you know, so many people are, um, you know, putting in um, either... Um, Ponds with, uh, you know, uh, swimming pools, rather, I meant to say. Yes. Or there's, you know, spraying. A lot of artificial monthly. stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, um, the, um, if, the, if your landscape is, is heavily sprayed and you, you don't have any insects for them, they're not going to come to your garden. Right. So, you know, right. it's, um, you know, again, the best thing to do is to incorporate more native plants, that you um, or Florida friendly plants that you don't need to 
um, have a lot of input in the way of um, fertilizer. Yeah, and, and I do. I have a lot of native plants uh, and I don't spray, but, and my next door neighbor doesn't, but the one on the other side does. And well, so, you know, it's hard to say how much around me is being done. And the, especially with those, uh, those mosquito uh, spray devices that are in a lot of people's, you know, they do that now. Yeah. It's hard uh-huh. to say. But Annie, that's, we have four emails. Oh my goodness, this is and a popular we, subject. And, and we have ten minutes left of the oh, show. Okay, <laughs> so if you don't mind, I'm gonna go for serial it. Serial, read them. Yeah. Serial, read it. Yeah. So the first one is uh, from Donna. She said, "I just planted milkweed seeds, and I'm looking forward to having a lot of butterflies. I want to also check dragonflies, but wondered since that they, they eat butterflies, can I still have a balance, or will it balance it out?" So, um, Virginia, should people be concerned that dragonflies sometimes eat? Uh... Well, now, butterflies are just one of the of the things that they eat. But um, you know, um, I look at them as mosquito control. So you know, they're they're out there eating mosquitoes. So, um, but yes, they will. You know, um, occasionally, um, you know, catch butterflies. But so do birds. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's. Um, it's you know, the cycle. Yeah, it's, yes, exactly. Can you really can you address that? She said she planted uh, dra- uh, uh, milkweed Agreed. seeds. Yeah, to to say which ones that she's supposed to be planting instead of. Um, well, I you know it's um, it's better to plant the native varieties than the non-native. But right. um, you know, I know a lot of people struggle to get the native uh, milkweed to um, to grow and then to um, to reseed for them. So I. I understand the frustration. I really do. Mm-hmm. So we have um, Gib is following up. They said, thank you for answering uh, my email. And that they once saw a dragonfly land on someone's hat out on the bill. Mm-hmm. It had captured a large fly and it also ate the body and the head rolled <laughs> off the God. cap off onto the floor. Oh, my Lord. We need to write people, a, um, some very destructive yeah. people. <laughs> I, I love that. A lot of people might be grossed out by that, but I just find it magical. I just, <laughs> you know, you're up close and personal. I was kayaking last weekend up in Alachua County on Cross Creek, and um, I happened to have my phone out because I was taking photos of um, cypress trees, and a maple leaf floated by with a damselfly riding on it. Oh, wow. And, and so I got a couple of photos of it and, you know, you look at it and, you know, the, the sky was reflected in the water and Jeez. it almost looks like, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool photo. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of of it. Yeah. So off with their heads, I guess. That's right. One thing that I did want to mention, um, a, a dragonfly behavior that's unique to them, it's called counterstroking. You know, they've got two sets of wings, but they can move the front wings and the back wings in different directions. Wow. And this is what enables them to fly in different directions and to make really sharp turns. You know, if they're flying, you know, southwest and here comes a, you know, a mosquito flying, you know, northeast and, you know, they can they can make the, the turns really quickly. So counter-stroking. counter-stroking. And um, maybe some of you have, have been out in, in the wild and you've seen a dragonfly perched with the body almost vertical. Um, this is called obelisking, obelisking, yes. And it's used to cool the body. So they perch with the tail end is facing upward so that the body is almost vertical 
and it minimizes the amount of sunlight hitting the body. That is so, brilliant. So it helps them cool down. But if it's a really hot day and it's not working for them, you know, they can literally, you know, go into the shade. But, um, you know, they're cold-blooded, and so they have to, um, you know, work on their uh, body temperature, and that's how they do it. That is fascinating. Mm-hmm. All right, we have one more email, and it's from Susie and Original Carrollwood. She's been there for over 40 years. How y'all doing? Love the show every week. We have noticed in our backyard just prior to dust that small bats and dragonflies are munching out. They don't even bump into each other. It's an amazing act. Love this combination. We have calls too, just FYI. All right. So, uh, Annie, I think we can probably take one call. Okay. One guy's (laughs) been waiting for four minutes, so I'm going to take Roberto. Roberto, what do you have to talk about dragonflies? Yeah. Thanks for hanging on. Oh, no, that's fine. Uh, I love the show. It sounded good. Thank you. Uh, you guys realize that the eyeballs on um, the visual on the left and right side is made up of multiple little, um, uh, like, corneas or a mm-hmm. Like a fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their mm-hmm. eyes are, like, uh, uh, very amazing. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've seen them uh, fly in, in many different patterns. Um, and sometimes when they rest, they do actually curve the tail part of their body. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, like a convex. Uh, so I was going to tell you one time uh, here at my storage unit, um, they, they fly so fast, sometimes they don't realize it. But one whacked into the metal part of the storage unit, and it fell down, and it was dead. And a oh. came over, and I just ate the whole thing, picked it up and took it away. <laughs> Another one came over and ate it? Uh, no, another, uh, no, a lizard. Uh, oh, a lizard. Okay. Yeah. Well, the circle of life. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, they, they are amazing creatures. Uh-huh. I would say uh, if it were in the bird family, it's a lot like the uh, hummingbird. I mean, it can stay so fast. stationary in one spot and then just like zip away at like 100 miles an hour. I mean, they, they are amazing. I dipped a, dra- a dead dragonfly in um, a resin uh, to harden it, and it was just incredible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they are incredible. And, and I'm not scared of them. I mean, they, they don't hurt you. They nope. Can't. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, we just uh, enjoy them. They're very just curious uh, insects. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks for calling in, Roberto. Really appreciate it. Yeah, hey, no problem. Thank you. Uh-huh. You're doing great work. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. So, okay. Virginia, we definitely want to thank you for um, proposing the idea that we would do a show on Dragonflies yes, because we had excellent. no idea people would be so interested. We just have a couple of minutes, but in the next minute or so, could you maybe not list, but just kind of describe or tell us how many species of uh, dragonflies and maybe damselflies that are in central Florida? Are, they, are we going to be able to look at them and identify them as different yeah. Well, there's um, there's 150 species of autonauts, and that's the, the biological order that uh, damselflies and dragonflies fall under. And there are three families of damselflies and six of dragonflies. And a good there, there are lots of different resources out there. There's an app called Dragonfly ID that's... Um, you know, handy. And there's a, um, a laminated folder. Um, you know, you'll see, you know, these laminated folders in garden shops and um, probably the, um, 
the uh, plant shop at the USF Botanical Garden sells one, but it's called Dragonflies of Florida. And it, it um, shows what the male and the female look like and whether they're only found in um, central Florida or the, the, um, the entire state. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a good Facebook uh, group called Florida Entomology where you can see um, um, different photos of, of dragonflies. And um, there's a, um, a really good publication called Backyard Ponds, Guidelines for Creating and Managing Habitat for Dragonflies and Damselflies. And it's, um, I can send Kenny the link to um, a lot of these um, references mm-hmm. if, um, if y'all think maybe some Oh, of yeah, reasons. totally. We'll put that on the, uh, okay. on the uh, Facebook page. Okay, all right, good. That'd be uh-huh. great. We have mm-hmm. a couple of them, but I don't think we have all of those. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple more uh, calls, but we're not going to be able to get to you guys. I yeah. apologize. Uh, but thank you so much for your interest and, you know, call back. You can send us an email and we could directly uh, uh, speak back to you if you like. Um, so if you want to do that, go ahead. And I'll just do uh, one more email and then we'll close the show. It's from Amy in St. Pete. She says that she loves dragonflies. One day, tons of mosquitoes were in her backyard. And the next day, the dragonflies came through and there's hardly any mosquitoes the next day. And uh, Virginia, do you know of any programs where they send uh, dragonflies as a pest control? Wow, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, no, I really don't, Kenny. I, That's a um, great idea. I've never even heard of that. Um, I think the best thing homeowners can do is, um, again, is, is stop using herbicides and uh, chemical fertilizers and create the habitat that will draw the, the dragonflies to your garden. Yeah, the, I don't think a lot of people understand that the chemical fertilizers, too, are contributing to the problem. Uh, so that's a great point that you yeah. just brought up. I think that people just roll over that and just think, you know, go to the store and buy uh, all these chemical fertilizers, and it's also going to uh, contribute to problems. So yeah. great mm-hmm. call. Well, thank you, uh, Virginia. Yes. We Loved the topic and wonderful. all your knowledge. Okay, yes. well, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, and uh, thanks for talking about the uh, the thing next week. It reminded me I'm going to need to go to that. Okay, well, it's um we'll be meeting at nine o'clock um at um the parking lot near, on Hillsborough River uh, State Park near the um the pool and the concession area. I think it's parking lot uh, number four. Okay, we'd love to have people join us. Thank and you so much. And this is the the Sun Coast. Uh, Native Plant Society. Yes. Yes. Sun Coast chapter of the Florida Native Plant Society. Yes. We're on Facebook and we'd love you to uh, follow us. So we'll put that as a link too. Perfect. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Annie, you want to close the show? Sure, sure. Thank you. And thanks, Kenny, for for hanging in there. Uh, If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please go to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Stay tuned. In the next hour, you'll hear WMNF's Tampa's Monday Music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source, and listen to today's Tom Hartman Show Live. Make sure to tune in next Next Monday at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show, we'll have Michael Whitehead with the Bureau of Indian Affairs and Sustainability. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living, WMNF, to stay in the loop. And also to listen to our past shows, just go to Listen on Demand on WMNF. I'm Annie Ellis. And I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the 